Welcome back to the Montgomery Companies Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery, and today I'm with a guest that you might know. Maybe you've heard his music, maybe you've read his books, maybe you've heard him speak, and maybe you follow him on social media, and if you don't, I trust that you will be following him by the end of this episode and by the end of this conversation, because this guy is so mega gifted. God is using him for great things. There's so much coming through him and coming out of him, and it is a great joy to welcome our guest, Carlos Whitaker. But before I welcome him officially, I want to tell you a little bit about my guy, Carlos, if his name is new to you. He's a best-selling author. He's a recording artist. He's one of America's top keynote speakers, and he's a dynamic leader of people. He's also a family man. You should know that he's married to Heather. They have three beautiful children. Carlos has been taking the world by storm in all the right ways. His story is unique. We're going to dive into that today. And it's with great honor that I introduce my new friend, Carlos Whitaker. Welcome to the show. Jordan, can I just take you on the road and you can intro me everywhere I go? Every stage, I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> this guy, this guy's got to do it. I'm coming with you. I, I, I'll, Let's I'll go. I'm in. I'm in. Let's go. Okay. That's, that's awesome. Uh, hey, brother, there's so much that we could talk about. We don't have enough time. I could spend all day with you. And so I want to get right to it. Um, and I want you to start our listeners um, with this viral video, because you had this moment in your life. I believe that we all have moments in our life. You refer to yourself as a moment maker, a spider killer, and a hope dealer. We're going to get into all of that. But um, there was a moment in your life that really sort of changed the trajectory of your work, your influence, your impact. There was this crazy viral video with your kids. Can we just drop right into that story and kick us off right there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny because that is, it was so long ago. And, um, it was a a season in my life. I was working at, I was I was working at a church in Atlanta at the time, and um, my family and I were heading to a Braves game, and my kids were tiny. They're in the back of the car singing that Beyonce song, "All the Single Ladies." And when I say tiny, they were they were probably like six, four, and two, um, and. So they're singing all the single ladies. It's on the radio. I don't know if people don't even know what a radio is anymore, but it's a thing that like you, like through the airwaves <laughs> songs would play. And um, and so the, the Beyonce song came on and they were singing all the single ladies. And so I pulled my phone out because I thought it was really cute. Um, and so you, even thinking like, what, what kind of phone did I have back then? But whatever, I'm recording them. And I tell my son that he's not a single lady um, because I thought it was kind of funny. I was like, homeboy's singing all the single ladies. Let me tell him he's not a single lady. So I said, he's not a single lady. And he started like busting out in tears. He was like devastated. And um, I thought, oh, this is kind of funny. I'm going to send this to my mom in LA, um, the video. And my wife's like, no, no, no. You should put that on that, on that brand new website that I just heard about called YouTube. Um, literally brand new website, like maybe six months old. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh yeah, man, I should do that. Well, I put it on YouTube and I mean, gosh, 24 hours later, 7.2 million views later, we're on Good Morning America on tip because when I told my son he's not a single lady, he bust out in tears. He started crying. Uh, I tried to, you know, I was like, no, you could be a single lady if you want. You know, I just reverse course, whatever I could do to fix the tears. And, um, you know, what was funny is like that, that video going viral, if I, if I look back at it, was the moment that um, my, my platform just kind of, you know, increased. and you know, it increased with people just wanting to look at, you know, a cute kid and, and a dad, you know, and that was before I was talking about what, you know, important things that was before I was really doing um, the, the work that I'm doing right now, but it, it was 
yeah, I look back now and I was like, I, I can't discredit that season of my life because I was doing important things then, right? Like, like I was, you know, mm. I, I can look back then. I was like, I, I was raising my toddler. Like I was, I was doing mm. the important work of like showing parents how, um, how you can mess up and you can make your kid cry and you can reverse your decision and you can change your mind and, and you can display your authentic inability to be a good parent for the world to see. And, you know, and so like, it just was, it was a sweet, sweet gift uh, in that moment. And, but I'm grateful for that moment because without that moment, I don't think I'd be doing what I'm doing today. Come on, man. God used it. So when this video goes viral, Carlos, um, you say you were kind of in this golden season where everything you were touching was literally turning to gold and your influence was expanding and your impact was growing. We're going to talk about your work. But before we do that, I want to talk about your family and your life because you refer to yourself as a hope dealer, a moment maker and a spider killer. I want to talk about being a spider killer. I understood, by the way, when I started studying your work, like hope dealer, moment maker, I could I could understand those two things, but I didn't understand spider killer. And so I want to know why you refer to yourself as a spider killer and what that means to you. Yeah, so good. Thanks for asking. Um, you're right. You know, when I think my bio does say hope dealer, moment maker, spider killer, and people are always like, what the heck? Like, you know, why is, it, is this guy like a what, what, what's he doing killing spiders? I get people mad at me. They're like, we need spiders. And I'm like, no, listen. So here's the deal. Uh, yeah, I was in that. I was in a golden season. You know, I, I think we all um, we all go through those seasons where, you know, everything's just clicking. Right. Everything's working. Like I was releasing a record um, pretty soon. I, I think it was maybe a week or two after that video went viral. And honestly, I tell people all the time, like it was like a like a C minus of a record. I mean, I'm I, like, I barely passed on that record. It wasn't very good, but, but because that video went viral, I mean, the record went number one on iTunes all around the world. Like it was, mm. I'm like, man, I can do no wrong. Right. Like everything I was touching. And you know, when you get in those seasons, sometimes you can begin to convince yourself uh, that, that it's, it's your hustle and your gift that is the thing mm. that is bringing the blessings in your life. Mm. And although I'm a big believer in hard work, I'm, I mean, I do it every day. I'm a big believer in hustle. I'm a big believer in entrepreneurs grinding. Um, I'm also a big believer uh, in my faith. And, mm. and I, I have a faith in Jesus and God. And my, and my Bible and scripture tells me that every good and perfect gift comes from above, um, not, not comes from my hustle. And I think that's the... That, that's the danger when we're in these sweet seasons, right? Is we start mm. believing our own hype. We start believing that, that it's us that is bringing the giftings mm. to our lives. And I'm telling, I know a lot of hustlers, a lot of people that are working hard that aren't walking in seasons of abundance that aren't walking in seasons of, so, you know, it's, it yeah. isn't just the, your God given ability. It's God given yeah. ability, right? Like it, it is, it's from that. Yep. So so here I was believing my own hype and, um, and I started wanting to have my cake and eat it too. And I started realizing, you know, like, Hey, like, I wonder if I can, um, lean into this, you know, I have been desiring some things that maybe aren't good for me. Uh, and so I would, I would try those and I dip my toe over in some, maybe some darkness and man, it tasted really good. Um, and then I, I, I dip my toe in darkness a little bit more and man, it, 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 it tasted even good. And then I'd look around and I was like, Look at that. No, nobody found out. This is amazing. Mm. Like I can, I can live in darkness and live in light and, and they're, they're two opposing dichotomies, but I mean, it's working. So I spent a season where I'm telling you, I was, um, on, on Sundays I was standing on stage 
singing songs in front of a bunch of Christians. And on Mondays, I was in the darkest place, secret, secret sin, right? Like dark, dark place. So all that to say it, um, it became an addiction and pretty soon I was no longer dancing between light and dark. I was just living in the dark. Um, and sure enough, every, everything, everything fell apart. Like, like my, my life fell apart. My family found out I lost my job. I lost my family. I had to move in with uh, my friend Blake and his family and I lost it all. And it was the darkest season of my life. Um, and so in that season, um, I began to, um, really question my existence, question my purpose, question all these things about why, why I'm even here, you know, has God abandoned me? All, all these big questions are swimming in my head because everything else had abandoned me. And, and here's the other thing I want to make sure people hear. It's like, like I need people to know that are maybe in a season of darkness that I know that you don't desire to ruin your life, right? Like, mm. like well, when we're in a season of darkness, like, it's not like we're like, oh, I'm in dark, a dark season so I can destroy everybody around me. Like, that's not why we do it. So like right. I was doing everything I could to get out of it. I was listening to all the podcasts. I was uh, reading all the books. Like I was listening to all the sermons. Like, how can I stop this behavior? And nothing was working. So um, fast forward, because we don't have a 10-hour podcast here. Um, you know, I through. Um, a friend of mine named Mike Foster, he sent me this, this scripture, first um, Peter five ten, And it says, now the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus will personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support you. And those were four words that when I read, they, I've it almost felt like they were mocking me because I was living with another family, my buddy Blake and his family. My, I hadn't talked to my wife in six months. I, you know, I see my kids, you know, once a week and I was like, Really? Like, like you're going to send me this scripture that God's going to personally restore, establish strength and support me. It feels like the opposite of that is happening. Mm. But I, I, that scripture just would sit with me every day. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this a shot because at the end of that scripture, it says, after you have suffered a little. So I was like, well, I'm suffering a little right now. It feels like a lot, but I'm suffering. And so let me give it a shot. So I begin to turn my gaze from my circumstances of life and turn them back to to God. And I said, well, if I can't restore my marriage, at least I can restore my soul. That's what the scripture says. So I began to work on things and, um, and start to go to therapy and counseling and fast forward, you know, miraculous things begin to happen in my family. Um, super fast forward, you know, that family that I lost, um, in that season, they're upstairs, uh, right now stomping around being louder than I want them to during this podcast, because, <laughs> you know, God restored my family. He restored all these things. Come on. And, yeah. um, and it, 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 it was an incredible story of redemption, but I share that just as a, um, precursor to really when the healing happened. Right. Um, because like, I got like 90% better through therapy and through all these things, um, and I'll never forget my therapist a few years after the trauma and after the reconciliation of my, my marriage. And I'm sitting in my therapist's office and I was like, Hey man, like it's been like three years. <clears throat> like, when can I stop paying you, you know, 140 bucks a week, man? Like, like this is, you know, this is getting expensive. Am I not fixed? You know? And he's like, Hey, let, let me tell you, Carlos, like you're so close to being fixed. But um, the problem here is you have a tendency. If you look through your entire life, Every time God blesses you with something, you find a way to rub crap on your blessings is what he said. And I was like, what? He's like, just take a look. So we started looking back at all the blessings I had in my life. And sure enough, every single time I would find a way to mess it up. And the reason why 
was because truly deep down inside of me, I didn't believe that I deserved it, right? There was a lie that I believed that I didn't deserve the blessing. So I would, I would screw it up, like sabotage it. And so with whatever sabotaging behavior, you know, and again, the behavior can be anything. Anyone listening to this podcast right now, um, that, that's why I don't necessarily like to say what my behavior was because I don't want people to like zero in on like, oh, okay, well, that's the problem. And I'm like, no, like we all have them. So when right. he told me that, it kind of freaked me out. And I walked out of his studio, or excuse me, not studio, I walked out of his office um, and got in my minivan and called my dad because he's like the wisest man I know. And so I called him and I was like, hey, dad, like Al, Al just told me, Al's my therapist, that I keep rubbing crap on my blessings. And if I don't figure it out, I'm going to, I'm going to make the mistake all over again and ruin my life again. Can you tell me why I do this? Um, and he goes, oh, Carlitos, I know why you rub crap on your blessings. And I was like, first, I've never heard my dad say crap. So that was, that was a shocker. <laughs> Secondly, I was like, you, you know, like, like, why haven't you not told your 38 year old son why he rubs crap? Like, why is it taking you this long? He's like, let me tell you a story. I said, all right. So he said, when I was in Panama preaching my very first revival, I finished my sermon and I asked if anyone wants prayer and nobody came to the front, but one very old lady in the back of the church, she makes her way to the front of the church and she's crying profusely. And she says, Pastor Fermin, can you please pray for me? So my dad said, sure. What can I pray for? And she said, can you pray that God would clean the cobwebs from my life? So my dad said, oh, I mean, that was very poetic prayer. So sure, I'll pray that. Lord, please clean the cobwebs from Mr. Ramirez's life. So he said, Carlitos, night numero dos of the revival. So it was like some Pentecostal revival, three nights, right? Mr. Ramirez comes to the front again, and she's still crying. And she says, Pastor, can you pray again that God would clean the cobwebs from my life? My dad was like, I prayed that last night, but let me pray again. So he put a little salt and pepper on his prayer. Prayed a little fancier, like maybe, maybe, maybe this will work. Lord, clean the cobwebs from Mr. Ramirez's life. He says, Carlitos, night numero tres, third night of the revival. Mr. Ramirez comes to the front again. She's still crying. And she looks at me and she's like, can you pray one more time that God would clean the cobwebs from my life? And my dad said, he looked at her and said, no, we have been praying the wrong prayer. Tonight, we do not pray. He cleans the cobwebs. Tonight, we pray. He kills the spider. And he said, Carlitos. I've watched you your entire life. You are a professional cobweb cleaner. You must find the root of your behavior and kill the spider. And I, I tell you, um, listen, mm. when he said that to me, there was just something that shifted like one degree in my head, just one degree. And it was this aha moment of like, oh my gosh, like I have been chasing the wrong thing. I've been going after the cobwebs. I've been cleaning the cobwebs. And so, you know, I began to go back to my therapist, Al, and I was, I told Al the story and he's like, oh, and Al was like, let me, let me explain this to you. What, what your dad's talking about is a spider is a, the agreement with the lie. And, and so the, the agreement with the lie, whatever that lie is, mm. um, and, and, you know, the lie can be different for everybody out there, but the cobwebs is the medicating behaviors that are bringing comfort to the lie. So that's exactly it. Like these blessings that you're going to rub crap on, you rubbing crap on those blessings is just a medicator for you, um, mm -hmm. a medicator that you don't believe that you deserve the blessings. That's the lie, right? So the, the spider is you don't, 
you don't believe you deserve the blessing. So we've got to break that agreement with that lie. When you do that, guess what? All the medicating behaviors go away. The, all the, all the cobwebs go away. So again, what are some cobwebs, right? So we've got like pornography, affairs, alcohol, gossip, shopping, workaholism, right? Like all of them are, um, are literally just medicating the, the, the spider. And I wrote a book, ended up writing a book called kill the spider. And in it, I help people identify their spiders, locate their spiders, corner their spiders, and then ultimately kill their spiders so that they can find freedom. So that that's, you know, my, my spider killing story. If, if anyone wants um, to dive a little bit deeper into that, I, my book called kill the spider can help them. Go, go check out kill the spider. We'll add a link um, in the show notes so you can go check it out directly after you follow Carlos on social media. But I wanted to start there, Carlos, because I wanted to give people a window into your world and I want them to know who you are before we talk about what you do. And I think that paints a good backdrop in, you know, five to 10 minutes. But I do want to talk about your work because you do create moments, you make moments, and you also deal hope. You offer hope to others. And I want um, our audience to know, I know why, because I've heard you respond to this question, but I want to know why you call yourself a hope dealer and a moment maker. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know what answer you've ever heard because it, it always changes every single time someone, someone asks me the question. So um, I think in this season of life, um, well, first of all, I, I don't ever know what to say when, when I sit on an airplane and someone next to me asks me what I do because I'm like, well, I don't know, like half the time, you know. <laughs> I don't even know what I do. I'm like, what am I doing this month to pay the bills? You know, like, you know, they just, they just, it just happens. Right. So I feel like I've got 40 jobs, but at the end of the day, what I do know that I do is try to deal hope in any way, shape or form. So, you know, that was in, you know, a season of when I was singing songs, like I was trying to deal hope in my songs in, in season where I was preaching in churches, I was trying to deal hope preaching in churches. I'm now currently in a season where I'm speaking to a lot of companies and a lot of, um, you know, corporate executives and entrepreneurs, and I'm trying to deal hope doing that. Uh, now with my phone, like I'm in a season where honestly, like Instagram has kind of become my space where I try to deal hope on a daily basis. And so, you know, I just feel like people are exhausted from hating each other. And mm-hmm. we, we're living in a season where the, things are so polarizing and divisive. And, you know, I'm not saying that I'm going to play Mr. Rogers and just try to make everybody happy. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that even in the divisive conversations, even in the hard conversations that we still have to have, there is a way and there is opportunity for you to draw people closer to you instead of pushing people farther away from you. Mm-hmm. And so that that's what I try to do every single day. And I do that hope dealing through moment making. Right. And so, mm. uh, again, I try to create moments every single day. Um, for other people, I try to receive moments for myself in order to continue to stay health, healthy. And then I try to rescue moments. And, you know, those are those moments on a daily basis that I try to tell people that, hey, listen, like every day all around you, there's an opportunity for you to deal hope by rescuing a moment of someone that, that needs a moment rescued. And, you know, I've seen that happen, you know, in, in the most dramatic ways, right? Like I've seen, you know, my Instagram audience raise you know, $60,000 in 24 minutes uh, for a lady that needed a seizure alert dog and boom, rescued moment, right? I've seen my audience, you know, raise, you know, $240,000 to build a house for some boys in Alaska in 48 hours, boom, rescued moment. But I've also seen moments be rescued that don't take any money. Don't take any, I mean, like my, my wife, the other day rescued a moment. Um, We were standing in line coming home 
from Chicago about to board a board a flight. And <laughs> it's it, the flight was delayed. Everyone was kind of like, you know, sweaty and angry, you know, and it's it's always drives me freaking crazy when people kind of crowd the line in order to get. I'm like, yo, we're all going to get on the plane. Like, why are we rushing? Right. So everyone's like kind of grumpy, whatever. And and my wife looks at me and she's like, give me your suitcase. Get on the ground, empty your suitcase. And I was like, what? She's like, just do what I say. Empty your suitcase. So I find myself on the ground pulling all my underwear out in front of all these random people. And I'm like, what does she do? Like, my wife's always up to something. And she saw somebody. She saw a lady at the front counter that was talking to the gate agent. And she just had a plastic bag with all her belongings in it, like a, like a garbage bag. And my wife's like, she needs a suitcase. We're going to give her your suitcase. I was like, well, why are we giving her my suitcase? Why can't we give her your suitcase? <laughs> right. But whatever. Um, so I empty my suitcase. We shove everything, my shoes, everything, my backpack. We stuff my wife's. And before this woman boards the plane, my wife rushes over to her and says, hey, ma'am, like, we, I see that you've got a just a plastic bag with yourself. Would you like would you like a suitcase? We just emptied this so you can have it. Dude, this was like my away wow. suitcase, like like wow. like my and the lady's like, I would love it. And so my wife takes her plastic bag, puts in the suitcase and the lady just smiles, grabs that suitcase, goes on. I never see the woman again. But let me tell you, that's a rescued moment. And all it took Come on. was seeing someone. And so I, I like to say it this way. This is a little tease of my next book that's coming out in um, January. I tell people in the book, all it takes every single day to, to be the best human you can be is see somebody and then free somebody. If you can see somebody every day and free somebody every day, that is going to be the thing that that accelerates us as a society back to the place we need to get. I don't care what what political party you belong to. I don't care what your ideology is. I don't care what your religion is. See people that need to be seen and then do something to free them every single day. And you're going to figure it out. So good, man. I got goosebumps on my arm as you're telling me that story. And I'm imagining you think I'd be thinking the same thing to my wife. Why are we doing why, why my suitcase? I don't want to do that. <laughs> totally. You know, and, and yeah, man, it was, it was, it was awesome. It was that's so, so funny cool in, in, the, in the Instagram post. Like I, I put a post up there just being like, you know, Hey, look, like this is how easy it is. Right. Like just bragging on my wife. And it was like, Oh my gosh. Like your wife's just the hands and feet of Jesus, you know, all, all these things. And I was like, absolutely. She is. But did, Jesus didn't give other people stuff away. Didn't Jesus give himself away? You know, I just, just kind of joking about it, but it's so true, man. Like just, just see uh, people. Great, people just man. are desperate to be seen. That's great. Amen to that. Uh, I want to switch gears. I want to talk about transition. There's somebody listening right now who's in a season of transition. You've been through some big life transition, but your story is a bit unique because you started as this recording artist and you had been successful in music and you felt like God was calling you maybe to some other work. Um, I want you to unpack maybe that transition and what you feel God called you to and how you responded in obedience. Can you tell us that? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> you know, I was, I, I live in Nashville and I moved here because I signed a record deal and, um, you know, I was, I was doing the artist thing, man. I was touring, making records. Um, and I was really good at it. Like I was really good at standing on stage and hyping up a crowd and getting them to sing my songs and all the things. And so I, I was at a like super upward trajectory, but something in my soul wasn't satisfied. Like th there mm. was just something that I was like, is this it? You know, like, and for a lot of people, that's fine. That, that is it. But when you, when you have that feeling in your heart that maybe this isn't it, um, I'm going to tell you right now, it isn't it. Okay. So like, like if you even have an inkling of like, I wonder if this is it, it's not. Okay. And so that's when you get to start asking those hard questions. Like, 
and I started asking God, like, okay, God, well, what is it? And um, I, I in that season, I, I also had a blog, right? I don't know if people even know what a blog is. This is like pre-social media, but I had I had a website that I, w- I would write my thoughts on, and there was a lot of people every day reading my thoughts. Yeah. And um, my wife just kept saying, "You're just a way better writer of like paragraphs than you are a writer of music." And I was like, "Well, that kind of hurts." But she's like, "No, I would like like you're good at this, but you're great at this." And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like that there there it is. Like why would I want to be just good at something when I could be great at something else? And so I I made I made a big leap. I said, okay, I'm going to stop being a singer. I'm going to start being a speaker. I'm going to stop writing songs. I'm going to start writing books. So I went to my laptop and I had like I can't remember dozens upon dozens of bookings to lead worship and sing the rest of that year. And I'll never forget. I, I went to my laptop and with one email I canceled them all. Like I, I and I wrote. I'll mm. never forget the email. I, I wrote it. And I was like, you know, hey, like. Thanks so much for booking me for your event, but I feel like God is asking me to be a speaker instead of a singer. So wow. I'm, I'm going to send you your deposits back. But listen, if you'd like a, me to speak at your event, I'm, I'd love to come. Fully expecting every, all 64 events to be like, of course, like come to our event and speak, like instead of sing, like that is a great idea. Well, sure enough, like 68 out of 68 emails I got back, they were like congratulating me for hearing the voice of God, following my dreams, but it's okay. We already have Bob Goff. Like, it's okay. Like we we already got our speaker. Right. And I was like, Oh no, like crickets, like nobody's booking me. And like, I put posts out on social media, like, Hey, like, I feel like I'm supposed to be a speaker now. And everyone's like, just congratulating me. Like, man, Carlos, this is so inspiring to see you chase your dreams. But my booking email was silent. And I was freaking out seven days later as, as the deposits that are in my bank account are going back to the events that have booked me because I'm sending their deposits back. I'm watching my checking account get lower and there's no speaking requests coming in. I started to think I've, I've screwed up. Like I've made a mistake 10 days. Mm. I've screwed up. I've made a mistake 13 days. I pull my, my laptop back out. I get zero speaking requests. And so I start to draft an email to send back to all those events being like, I screwed up. That wasn't the voice of God. I think I just ate some bad tacos. I don't know what I was thinking, but (laughs) can you please have me back? But I just, I just remember my wife was like, what are you doing? Like, no, like, like God has always come through. He's always taken Mm -hmm. care of us. I was like, yeah, babe, but like we're running out of money. She's like, okay, then go get a job. So like I, I, instead of writing an email, I go to Starbucks and I go to home Depot. And I fill out applications. I, wow. And I remember being so embarrassed. Like here I was, I had just previous, like the week before, you know, sang in front, you know, in front of like 20,000 people at this arena, like my music career was going well and I quit. And now I'm filling out an application at Home Depot, nothing against filling out an application at Home Depot, but that's not the dream that I quit for. Right. Yeah. And so um, fill those applications out, turn them in, felt completely embarrassed and came back um, to my laptop and the next day I got an email um, and I'll never forget getting, getting an email and deleting it because it looked like spam Um, because the email said the white house would like to invite you. And I just hit delete. Cause I was like, well, whatever the white house would like, I I subscribed to all the political emails. And so I was like, well, invite me to like, you know, at at that point, I don't know, some conference call that 
you know, 45 million Americans can listen to. So I had to delete. It's kind of go on. And um, I don't know, about two hours later, I looked at my phone and I had like 10 missed calls from my publicist and my publicist at the time. Um, oh, Velvet was her name. <laughs> awesome publicist. <laughs> She's like, I, I'm, I call her back. I was like, what's going on? She's like, did you get the email? And I was like, what email? She's like, go check your inbox because they know you deleted the email. And I was like, what, who's they? And so I opened it up and sure enough, it was that, that email that I deleted. It said, the white house would like to invite you to be the keynote speaker at next week's Easter prayer breakfast in the East room of the white house. And okay. My jaw dropped for a couple of reasons. Well, the first reason was a, how did they know I deleted the email? That was the first thing. Okay. This is 2015. <laughs> and like, right. there, are there drones outside my house? Look in my window. Second reason is here. I was like about to like cancel the dream that God put on my heart because I wasn't reaping the harvest fast enough here. Wow. I was about to wow. um, cancel because I was walking through the wilderness in the desert going like, where, where's my streams in the wasteland? God, mm. like I'm a, I just applied at home Depot and God's like, if you just, if you're just patient eat and, and if you walk through the wilderness, like I've asked you to walk through the wilderness, just like the Israelites did, I promise you, I'm going to take you to the promised land. Right. But the second that we're faced with a little bit of drama in our life, the second that we're faced, we want to run back and be slaves again to what we were slaves to just like the Israelites did. Right. When they're standing at the edge of the Red Sea, Moses is like, listen, relax. Mm. I know the army's behind you. I know the ocean's in front of you. But if you just stand still in the middle of the trauma, the, the ocean's going to split wide open. And bro, Seven days later, I'm standing in the East room of the White House and I'm, I'm, I'm standing in front of the president of the United States and all of these other dignitaries. And I have an opportunity to give like a, it was like a three minute, maybe five minute uh, devotional thought. And they let me sing a song. And so like the two things that I love to do that I thought I was going to have to cancel one in order to get the other. Here was God going like, now I'm going to let you do both of them in front of the most powerful man on the planet. And you know, that, that Crazy. just, that was my first speaking gig ever. Uh, it was the most nervous I've ever been. Um, and uh, I'll, so it's literally been downhill from there. Like, I don't care who I speak in front of. I will never be as nervous as I was uh, that moment, but it was, it was actually an amazing experience. You know, um, mm -hmm. the president invited, uh, well, I had, I got breakfast with him. Then I had a private meeting with him in the, uh, in the red room of the white house. And for just a few minutes, he walked in and I was able to talk about my dad being a first generation immigrant to the country. And, um, it just was, it was amazing, but I just go back to that story because I, I, I like to tell people that when you chase your dream, the dream doesn't happen overnight. Like, like you're good. Mm. I promise you, you're going to have to wait. You're going to have to be patient. And it's going to be in that moment where you think you want to go run back to what you were doing before that's the precipice. That's the moment where you're, you're, you're like standing, you're at the top of the roller coaster. And instead of backing back down, if you just hang on a little bit longer, you're going to, you're going to end up going on that ride. So somebody needed to hear that story yeah. this morning. Uh, I mean, you were a well-known dynamic recording artist, right? And like yeah. people knew who you were and you had influence and impact in front of 20,000 people. And you said, Hey God, I think you're calling me to this. And even though it doesn't feel good, and even though it's dark, I haven't been buried. I've actually been planted, but it took a yeah. while to realize that. And you had to give up something good for something great. And man, I yes. so much respect that decision. Mm -hmm. uh, but more more than anything, I just love how you give God the glory in that transition that um, he provided. And uh, promotion comes from above, not from the east to the west. Yeah. And so, that's right. Um, man, just love love the way you unpack that and talk about it. Um, 
I want to go to social media because uh, through that story and your transition and your obedience, God's opened huge doors. One of the doors that he's opened in your life through your faithfulness and your hard work um, is is social media. I, I just see all of the influence and the impact that you're having on social media. And if you look at um, the response, you know, that that's what I love, Carlos, is people just gravitate towards your message, your content, the things that you post and share, and they're real. And sometimes they're funny, but they're also impactful and it's meaningful. And I think you're one of the best follows on social media. If you're a person who likes to be moved, inspired, um, if you're a person of faith or you're learning about faith, go follow, go follow Carlos Whitaker. I love how you uh, hold the line between the marketplace and, and the church and talk about your faith so openly. We're going to talk about that here in just a little bit. But for the person that wants to start sharing on social media, maybe they're trying to step out. They're, they're trying to maybe uh, create more content or impact more people and use social media as a vehicle and a tool. I'd love for you just to speak to that group of people, to that audience about how to use social media well and how to impact impact people consistently, whether it's through Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the very first thing I would say is don't overthink it. Um, that That is where so many people get paralyzed is they just overthink it. They, you know, you, you start having, um, uh, watching all the, you know, taking all these courses on social media curating and like your content calendar and all the things. And although those things are, are important, I mean, just start posting. Just, don't be scared to point the camera at your face and give somebody some words of inspiration. You know, you don't yeah, have to be Dr. Good. Martin Luther King Jr. in order to like do this well, like somebody needs to be inspired. And so I, that, that's the first thing I'd say is just, just start doing it. Um, but then the second thing I would say is, is, People are looking for, and I, I, I mentioned this a second ago, people are looking for um, reasons to unite. People are looking mm. for reasons to um, come together. And so if you can be a voice right now, uh, a voice of unity right now in this season of um, division, that is something that people are desperate for. And that's why I've seen my socials grow, I, I feel like, is because uh, although I do talk about hard issues, I make sure that everybody that's listening to me um, is is not being repelled away from me. I don't just want an echo chamber of people that are uh, thinking like me. I want people that disagree with me to feel safe enough um, to to hear me. And so again, that that's that's the second thing. And then third thing I would say is give people something to cheer for. Um, if you can if you can find a story every single day where people can cheer for something together, that's going to be the fastest way, I believe, um, to, to grow your, um, your audience. And so I try to do that every day. Like I try to find um, somebody that they can cheer for. And whether that's, you know, a, a guy at the piano um, at the airport playing the piano and, um, you know, we, you know, tip him, you know, 20 bucks or whatever it may be together on your social media, like, Find a way that we can cheer for somebody together. And so I feel like if you start doing those three things, you're going to start seeing your uh, social media be used in the right way. And I, I just want to echo what you said, because I, I, I watch you do this. You're cheering for people consistently and constantly. Even um, I think it was last night on your Instagram stories, there was a, a friend of yours who's singing. And and just yeah. so you all know, like Carlos didn't shout him out once. You shouted him out like four times through like four <laughs> different stories, like four different songs. And he's the man. And I love this guy and he's gifted. And and then I think your last post was like, sometimes you just got to shout out your friends yes. and cheer for your friends. And so, man, you're living that. You're you're walking yeah. that out. And I, I love yeah. to watch the way that you cheer for others and support others. And man, I know, I know the person you're cheering for most 
and the person you support most um, is is Jesus. And yeah. watch you do that in the marketplace, maybe in some settings where most people wouldn't do that or are afraid to do that. And I think in corporate America today, we've all got to be mindful of where people are at and, and how they're coming in and how they're showing up. Um, I just love for you to speak uh, to two groups of people. Number one, um, to a group of people who's thinking about sharing Jesus more. Like maybe they, they're like, gosh, I feel called to do this, but I'm afraid, or I don't know if I can do that in a world that needs me to sometimes be politically correct. Yeah. Um, the second group is there's some people maybe just even wondering about the life of Jesus. I don't even know if I really believe in him, uh, if I want to believe in him. And so those those two groups, I just love for yeah. um, us to land this plane by maybe having you address those two groups of people, Carlos. Yeah. So, so great. Thanks, Jordan. For, to the first group of people that are in the, in the marketplace and they, they are followers of Jesus and they are wondering how it is to walk, to walk a fine line between um, still walking as a follower of Jesus, but yet being respectful to those that aren't. The, the first thing I would say is it's actually not a fine line. When, when, when I, when I hear that mm. word fine line, I think like, wow, like, we are making this thing way more complicated. You're not, this isn't a tightrope that you're standing on. Like it's not complicated. Like to be honest with you, people don't have a problem with Jesus. Like I've yet to find somebody that has a problem with Jesus. So like, if you just act like Jesus, walk like Jesus mm. and talk like Jesus, it's, it's not a fine line. And, and you, you are going to attract people towards you. Jesus, if you, if you open up the gospels was like the most, attractional human being ever people were flocking to him why why because he was authentic he he spoke the truth um he was empathetic he was he was all these things you know so so to the person that is a jesus follower that is like how do i do this don't overcomplicate it you know when I, when i go speak at a at a corporate event um, I don't get up on stage and share like bible verses right because i know that there's people that yeah. um that's not their their thing but inevitably, when I get done, I, I always get up there and share biblical principles because that's just kind of what I, what I live um, for. But inevitably, when I get done, people come to my book table in tears. People that don't believe what I believe um, in my faith, but they're in tears and they're like, I, this is a problem in my life. And I feel like what you told me up there, you maybe have some answers. Can you help me? And again, I never mentioned Jesus once. I never used the Bible once, but people are attracted to the heartbeat. Of Jesus, right? And so I would call that in my faith um, the Holy Spirit. And so you know, you, you, and then and then there's Jesus followers that don't. I'd never mentioned that I follow Jesus when I'm on stage, but they come right up to. They're like, "You're a Jesus follower, right?" And I'll say, "Absolutely, I am." Now, so so just just don't walk a tight line. It's not. Don't overcomplicate it. Just walk like Jesus. Just see people and free people, and that there it is. That it's not complicated. Now to the people that um, that maybe you know don't believe in Jesus the way I believe in Jesus. I, I love these relationships that I have and they're, they're all over the place. The, the first thing I would say is I am not, it, it's, it's not my job to try to convince you um, to believe in Jesus the way that I believe in Jesus, right? Like, I don't believe that, you know, I think growing up uh, in the church and even, you know, in some unhealthy versions of the church these days of the evangelical church, you see kind of like this army mindset that we have to go and like try to, um, try to save okay that that word is is mm. constantly used save all these sinners and save all the like that's not 
that's not how I look at my relationships with people that don't follow Jesus. All I want to do is have them see the humanity of Jesus. Now, I mm. I believe in the divinity of Jesus, but I'm I'm not I'm not trying to convince anyone of the divinity of Jesus. Right? That that's not my job. My my job my job is just to show you the humanity of Jesus. And so for, for the people that are like, you know, th- this Jesus thing seems interesting, but I, I, I don't know. I always say, okay, like find a Bible and do, like, I don't want you to read any part of the Bible except one book. And when I say a book, it's, the, it, it's just really, it would be more like a chapter. Um, but the book is the book of Luke. And if you just read the book of Luke, read all the chapters in the book of Luke. Okay. Um, just read that from beginning to end. That's going to give you the most perfect example of the humanity of who Jesus is. And that's like the beginning point. If you can just get there, I promise you suddenly um, you're going to be like, okay, wait, this is the Jesus that, that um, the people aren't representing very well. And so again, my, my job isn't to convince you of anything. It's just so that you can see the humanity of Jesus. If at some point you're like, I wonder if there's more to Jesus than just the humanity, him being a good person. Um, I'd love to have that conversation with you as well. Many people would uh, love to have that conversation with you, but, but my job isn't to try to, um, to save you. It's just to love you ruthlessly. And I'll allow uh, the voice of God to come in and convince you of things that that's his job. That's not, that's not my job. And so, yeah, so that's what I do. I try to walk um, in a way that everybody, no matter what your beliefs are, uh, can hang out with me knowing that I am an unashamed follower of the divinity of Jesus. Like I believe that he is the son of God. I believe that he was, you know, walked the earth, was crucified, uh, buried, and then rose again three days later and then ascended to heaven. And now he sent his spirit like to guide me. But I also know when I say that, that that sounds like the craziest thing ever when I say it out loud. And so I know that people are like, man, this Christian thing is insane. And I'm here to say you are correct. It is. So like, I'm the first person to say, this is the craziest thing ever. Um, that's why, like, I'm not here to necessarily convince you to believe the crazy thing that I believe, but I would just want to start with, just believe that, that Jesus was a man that walked and start walking like him and all that other stuff can come later. Best part of this conversation right there. Thank Let's you, brother. Go. And thanks for walking in that way. That was beautiful. I, I um, yeah, appreciate your authentic approach to sharing Jesus with the world. And, and I think yeah. you're most effective when you're most authentic. And man, you've been effective yeah. for the kingdom. You've been effective in the marketplace. And um, this has been just a real pleasure to have this conversation with you. And, and I would just add to somebody listening, if, if, if you're trying to think about either the humanity or the divinity of Jesus, like maybe you don't know about God, but he knows about you. Yeah. And he cares for you and he knows you and he loves you. And so um, love that we get to end the conversation that way. Um, Carlos, any final thoughts, uh, anything else that you want our listeners to know about you that maybe they don't know about Carlos Whitaker? Do you want to leave us with anything uh, as we wrap up this conversation? Yeah, you know, I, I think, um, again, I, I get most of my um, most of my great thoughts from my dad. And the one thing I would say, especially because, you know, you've got a lot of listeners that are hard workers that are entrepreneurs that are business leaders that are hustling and grinding. Um, and my dad used to say this all the time and I'll, I'll throw my Fermin accent on. He would say, Carlitos, cause that's how you say my name, right? Jordan. Yeah. He would yeah. say, gaze at God and glance at life, gaze at God and glance at life. And I think we just flip that all the time, right? Like we, constantly are gazing at life. And then when it gets hectic and we're in need, 
we we glance at God like, oh, my gosh, can you help? And then eyes fixed back on the problems, man, when he's when he he would drive that into my soul constantly. And finally, when I got that and I flipped it, when I when you gaze at God and just glance at life, man, I'm telling you, everything lines up. Everything ends up the way it's supposed to be. And you can start hearing the voice of God a lot clearer, right? When you are facing him instead of, yeah, I mean, I, w- I was at the airport the other day and I, I looked down, I did this little social experiment. And I said, I wonder out of a hundred people that I count coming up the escalator, how many people are looking at their phones and how many people are looking up out of a hundred people that came up the escalator, how many people you think were looking at their phone? A hundred, like a hundred out of a hundred. Okay. That was a small sample size, but I thought we are gazing down, man. Like we got to lift up our eyes, gaze at God, Mm. glance at life. And I think things are going to work out the way they need to be. Exclamation point. Three of them. Gaze at God, glance at life. I love that, man. You are a blessing to me, to many, to the show, to our listeners. Thanks for being you. Um, If you are not following Carlos Whitaker, go follow him. One of the best follows on social media, in my humble opinion, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, You're all over the place, man. Just appreciate what you stand for. Keep wearing your faith on your sleeve. Uh, We're behind you all the way, supporting you always. Man, you just poured 55 minutes of gold into our listeners, and we can't (laughs) thank you enough. So from me to you, um, much love. Thank you. Uh, Godspeed. Carlos Whitaker. Thanks, Jordan. You've been listening to the Montgomery Companies Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery. I want to say thanks to our producers, John Choate and James Roth of Storyline Multimedia. We couldn't do what we do without you. Um, If you would... Share this podcast episode. Um, It would mean so much to us as we move our mission of impact forward. This is a podcast designed to help leaders go farther, faster. And we want to continue to do that. So until next time, I'm Jordan Montgomery. We love you. God bless. Have a wonderful day.